0: I'd like for you to do, if you have young kids, I'd really prefer that they sit with you during the service tonight uh, because that way when we have, uh, when we take the Lord's Supper here in a few minutes, um, I always want to make sure that it's parents that have talked with kids before they do it, okay? Uh, we don't have an age limit on who can partake of the Lord's Supper, um, but obviously there are some requirements, and so we'll, we'll get into those in a minute. Um, but as far as kids, if they meet the requirements, then I always say that's up to the parents. And so I encourage the parents uh, to talk to them about what, what is being done, and uh, if they feel that they understand it and are ready, uh, then that's, that's up to the parents. And so uh, I'm going to give you about uh, a couple of seconds. Uh, if you need to have your kids come and sit with you or something, you can go ahead and do that uh, right now right so uh, if any of the young if any of the young kids need to go and sit with their parents um, they're looking around seeing mom dad am i supposed to come move right just go for it right here you go all right on your mark get set go right <laughs> there you go go find go find your parents that's good I know you guys always like to sit on the front row, and that's great. I appreciate you guys doing that. But for tonight, I'm going to have you sit with your parents this evening. Very good. All right. Again, if they're, if they're a little bit older and you've talked to them and they understand, that if, if you're okay with them sitting wherever they're at, that's, that's fine. That's not a problem. Um, but I just, especially when we're talking with about some of the younger kids as well. Um, I want you to take your Bibles this evening and open to the book of Matthew, chapter 26. In the book of Matthew, chapter 26, again, just like like baptism this morning, um, you know, when we say someone follows the Lord in believers' baptism, there's nothing supernatural that takes place uh, during that baptism. Their sins are not being washed away. Um, Nothing uh, mystical or supernatural is happening at all. Um, And the same thing when we come to the Lord's Supper. Um, There's nothing supernatural, there's nothing mystical uh, that is happening with this. In fact, as we'll see throughout Scripture, this is to be done in remembrance of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's done to remember. It's not done to receive special grace. It's not done for salvation. It's not done... Um, you know, for any of those reasons, it's simply done in remembrance of Jesus Christ. And just as in baptism, there is a picture of Christ. When we the person is standing in the water, it's a picture of his death. When they are placed under the water, it's a picture of his burial. And when they come out of the water, it's a picture of his uh, resurrection. And so we see the picture there. And in the same way, uh, in the Lord's Supper, we are going to see the picture of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Um, and so tonight we're just going to be reading some scripture uh, together. I'm going to be making some comments. We'll be uh, mixing in some songs as we think about what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us, uh, and then uh, that will lead to us um, taking the uh, the bread and the juice here in, in a few moments. Um, but in Matthew chapter 26, um, we're going to begin reading in verse number 57. Matthew chapter 26. Of course, this is after um, Jesus has been uh, with the disciples in the upper room. This is after um, Judas has come to the Garden of Gethsemane and found Jesus there. Uh, Jesus has now been arrested. And in Matthew chapter 26, verse number 57, it says And they that had laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas the high priest where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him afar off unto the high priest's palace, and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Yea, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. At the last came two false witnesses, right? So if you can't get anybody to bear false witness against Jesus, tell him to lie about Jesus. That's what they did, right? They couldn't find any false witnesses, and so they said we're going to... or they couldn't find anybody to say that he had done anything wrong, so they said, well, let's, let's find some people to, uh, to lie and to, to convince this. And so in verse number 61, it says, And said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answerest thou Nothing. What is it which these witness against thee? But Jesus held his peace, and the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Here you have religion. Religion was so consumed by their works, so consumed simply by what they were doing, that even though there was a man standing in front of them, that they could find nothing to accuse him of. Because everything he had said was true, everything he had done was right. They couldn't find anything to accuse him of, but yet they were so blind to the truth of who he was that they were just grasping at straws to try to find some way to find something against Jesus. And can I say that's, that's really what religion does today? They, they'll, they, they don't mind Jesus, as long as you don't really believe that he's the only way. You realize that? They don't mind Jesus. I mean, think about all the different religions that say they believe in Jesus, right? Uh, I mean, the Jehovah Witnesses say they believe in Jesus. The Mormons say they believe in Jesus. The Catholics say they believe in Jesus. The Muslims say they believe in Jesus. Many religions say they believe in Jesus. It's just not the Jesus that we find in Scripture. It's not that Jesus. And, and here's the thing, and this is what we find. Jesus is here, and they're, they've... they've brought him before the religious leaders, Caiaphas the high priest and the scribes and uh, this council that is there, and they could find nothing wrong with him. Even though all throughout this time, Jesus has been trying to explain who he is, they couldn't find anything wrong until finally the high priest says, just tell us, he says, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. This really was the whole crux of the matter, wasn't it? This was it. This was, this was the main thing. Again, the false witnesses said, well, you know, he said that he would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well, whoop de doo right? What, what, what kind of an accusation is that, okay? But really what they were really concerned about is, are you saying that you are the Christ? Are you saying that you are the Messiah? Are you saying that you are this one that has been promised by God? Is that who you say you are? Jesus said unto him, Thou hast said. In other words, you've said it. But he says, Just so that you don't misunderstand, nevertheless, I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. He said, Just so there's no misunderstanding, I want you to understand, not only am I the Christ, not only am I the Messiah, but I am not just the Son of Man, but the Son of God, And he's referring to this, as he says, the son of man sitting on the right hand of power. They understood he was talking about the right hand of God and that he would be coming in the clouds of heaven, that he would, that Jesus Christ was claiming to be God. Then the high priest rent his clothes saying he hath spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now you have heard his blasphemy. What think ye? They answered and said, he is guilty of death. Then did they spit in his face and buffeted him, and others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee? So think about with me tonight. Here you have the religious people. Jesus is standing before him. He's never lied. He's never said anything wrong. He's never done anything wrong. He's simply been there for them. He showed compassion. He's trying to show them that he is Christ, and they reject him. And that is so typical of religion today. Even though Jesus can say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, religion says, well, it's okay to believe in Jesus, but you also have to believe in this as well. It's okay to put your trust in Jesus, but that can't be the only place you put your trust. You have to also do this. And friend, that's not what Jesus said. And religion does much of exactly what we find here. And notice what happens. It says they, they spit upon him. Verse 67, then, then did they spit in his face and buffeted him. And others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto us, Thou Christ. Who is he that smote thee? So basically, in order, and what they did was they basically put a sack over his head. They put a sack over the head of Jesus Christ. The Religious leaders put a sack over his head. And somebody would come up and smack him in the face, smack his head. And they said, all right, if you really are the Christ, if you really are, go ahead, prophesy, tell us, who is it that just hit you? Can you imagine spitting in the face of Jesus Christ? Spitting in the face of the Creator God? That's what they were doing. They spit on him. They hit him. They buffeted him. They were mocking him, prophesying unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee? Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think Jesus knew who it was? I think he did. Would it have made a difference if Jesus would have said their names? No. It wouldn't. You say, well, how do you know it wouldn't? Because they have already seen all the miracles that Jesus has done for three and a half years. They've seen all that he has done. They've heard all that he has taught. And they still would not believe. And their response was to spit upon him and to hit him in the face. Here in Matthew chapter 6, in verse number 69, not only we we find how religion treated Jesus, but we also find how his friends treated Jesus. Of course, we know when he is arrested that they all run away, but the Bible tells us that Peter... Followed. Verse number 69. Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also wast with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them. For thy speech berayeth thee. Then began he to curse and to answer, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew, and Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. Religion says we ought to kill him. His friend said, We don't know who he is. We don't, we don't want to identify with him. We don't know him. When they came to arrest Him, they all fled. When Jesus, or when Peter was asked about this three, on three different occasions, He denied Him. His friends denied Him. And sure, we can, we can get down on the disciples and we can say, well, if I would have been there, it would have been different. If I would have been there, I would have stood with Him. Would we have? You see, if, if it's hard for us to take an Easter invite and invite someone to come to church for Easter, how would we have been willing to stand there facing death? If we're not willing to share Christ with those with, without fear of persecution, we're not, we're not going to go to jail because of sharing the gospel with somebody, but yet we're still afraid, and so many times we, we, we do the very same thing that the disciples did. We run away. We deny. You say, well, I would never deny him. Maybe not the way Peter did in saying, I don't know him, but we just don't want to talk about him. And when maybe conversations come up around the workplace or with friends about Christianity and things, it's kind of one, well, you know, I, just, I don't like to talk about those things. Wait, can I tell you this evening, there's nothing greater that we can talk about than what Jesus did for us. Tell me the story of Jesus. Right on my heart, every word. Tell me the story. That ought to be the the one thing that we love to share with people is the story of Jesus Christ and what he did for us. You think about Matthew chapter 27, in verse number 15, it says, Now at that feast the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would, And they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. So finally, Jesus is brought before Pilate. And Pilate sees what's going on. And verse 17, Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. I find it very interesting that even Pilate understood that there was nothing really that that Jesus was guilty of. It was for... What does it say that he was delivered because from these religious people? It was for what? Envy. They were envious of him. They were envious because they couldn't get the crowds that he could. They were envious because they couldn't do what he could. Yet with all of their schooling and all of their education, they didn't speak the way he spoke, this carpenter. They were envious of him. They wanted him just gone. And when he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with this just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? And they said, Barabbas. Even Pilate was confused by this. Pilate was perplexed. He saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? And they all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And The governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? You notice they couldn't give an answer. Why should he be crucified? What, what has he done? And they just called out, Crucify, crucify, crucify. No response, no reason, just crucify him. We hate him. We don't want him here. He's taking people away from us, from our religion. He's taking people away from us. We don't want to have anything to do with him. Just crucify him. They cried out the more saying, let him be crucified. How sad that religion, friends, the government, no one really cared about Jesus. No one cared about him. But aren't you glad that he cared about you and me? That Jesus cared enough about you and me that he'd be willing to endure ridicule. He'd be in, endure this denial from friends and betrayal. That even he would be willing to take the place of a thief, a known thief, a traitor, a murderer, Barabbas. He'd be willing to take his place so that you and I could have salvation. I'm going to have Brother Shane come and Brianna come back to the piano. We're going to sing a song entitled, My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. So as we, again, thinking about what Jesus went through, again, don't just sing the words to the song. Think about them. Think about what the words are saying. And I hope and pray that you really mean those words.
1: You can remain seated, but we'll if you have a hymn book, four hundred and seventy-two, My Jesus, I love thee. My Jesus. I
0: chapter 27 again in verse number 27 as Jesus is being taken it says then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers and they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe when they had plaited a crown of thorns they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand and they bowed the knee before him and mocked them, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him, and took the reed, and smote him on the head. Can you just tonight think what Jesus did? Here you have this band of Roman soldiers mocking him, laughing at him, taking that crown of thorns, mocking that he's a king, putting it upon his head, kneeling before him, mocking him, spitting upon him, and then taking that, that reed and then beginning to beat him with it. To have those thorns begin to pierce into his skull. The beating. Of the cat of nine tails. As each time that Roman soldier would take that whip and strike his body with it. And those pieces of glass and metal and shards would tear into his flesh. And every time that that Roman soldier would pull, his flesh would literally be ripped apart. Forty times. Why would he do that? Why would he suffer that? You understand that's what our Savior did for us. He did that for us. Not for himself. He did it for us. And it says, and they, after they had mocked him, they took the robe from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were come into a place called Golgotha, that is to say a place of the school, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down they watched him there and set up over his head his accusation written this is jesus the king of the jews i know it's hard for us to sometimes picture things in the bible but can you just if at all possible picture what jesus was going through the bible tells us that he was beaten so badly that his visage was so marred that he could not even recognize it was a man. The blood, the wounds, the flesh being ripped apart, the thorns being beaten into his skull, being forced to carry this cross from, from the, the judgment seat there before Pilate out to Golgotha, and then until someone had to end up carrying it for him. And then as they reached Golgotha, and He lays upon the cross and they take those nails and they nail them into His, into his hands and into His feet. And they crucify Him. Do we, really, do we really grasp that He did that for you and for me? That's the love that He has for us. That's what He has done for us. So as, as we sing this next song think about what we just read. Think about the words that we just read, the beating, the the crown of thorns, the the cat of nine tails, the nails being driven into his hands and his feet, hanging upon a cross. So as we sing the words, I'm going to have Brother Shane and Brianna come back. We're going to sing the songs, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. And as we sing this, again, please just think about the words think about what we've just read the mocking the beating the 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 crucifying all of that he endured so that you and I could be saved from our sins Jesus Christ did. How could we not be willing to give him our all? How can we not give him our all when what he has done for us, the croup being beaten and crucified? In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 In First Corinthians chapter 11 Paul gives instruction about the Lord's Supper. First 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 23, he says, For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he brake it, and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink of it, in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So Paul gives instruction here to the church of Corinth about the Lord's supper. It's not supposed to be some uh feast, uh it's not supposed to be a big party. It is a it is a serious time. I think we understand that because we're we're remembering what Jesus Christ did for us. We're remembering his body being broken, we're remembering his blood being shed. But again, it's it's not Nothing supernatural takes place with the bread. Nothing supernatural takes place with the juice. I know some people will will try to say that once you take the bread, it changes into the literal body of Jesus Christ, or the juice changes into the literal blood of Jesus Christ. That's just not, not true. It is a picture. He says, this do in remembrance of me. Just as tonight, we've taken a special time to remember what Jesus has done for us. And so when we think about this, we understand Paul is writing to the church. And to be part of this church in Corinth, there were two things that had to take place. One, a person had to be saved biblically. They had to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And two, they had to be baptized biblically. And then, of course, they had to be united in faith with that church. And as Paul is writing to the church here in Corinth. And we understand that the Lord's Supper is not just for anyone to take. It's not for anyone. It's for those who are saved. It's for those who know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Um, we don't just invite everybody in the community to come and take the Lord's Supper because this is, one, specifically for saved people when, as we think about what Jesus Christ has done. Just like baptism means nothing for an unsaved person. There's no point in it for somebody that doesn't know the Lord. And the same thing in taking the Lord's Supper. There's no point to it for somebody that does not know the Lord. It's for those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. It's for those who have followed the Lord in believers' baptism. It's for those who are part of of the church. But I want you to notice there are two elements that he speaks of here. He speaks of the bread and the juice. And if you you can hold your place here in First Corinthians chapter eleven, but I want you to go to Matthew chapter twenty six to really understand what is being used. In just a few minutes, we will pass out the bread and the juice, but I, I want to again, I want us to understand exactly what is being done and the purpose of it because, again, the the picture is vital. The picture is important. In Matthew chapter 26, once you notice in verse number 17, it says, Now the first day of the feast of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And so if we understand this Passover meal was the meal that they were eating before Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper, The Passover meal was not the Lord's Supper. It was after they had finished eating that Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. But notice the Bible says it was during the feast of unleavened bread. This feast would last for uh, a week's time. And notice, again, he's very specific about this. When this was, it says it was the feast of unleavened bread. When we are going to take the Lord's Supper, we don't just go to Walmart and buy a loaf of bread there's a specific bread that needs to be used. It's called unleavened bread. The reason why is because when we think about, when we go through Scripture, we find that leaven or yeast is what we would say today is always pictured as a type of sin. Throughout Scripture, it's always a picture of the type of sin. And so in the Passover, in the Passover and in this Feast of Unleavened Bread... They were not allowed, the Jews were not allowed to have leaven anywhere in their home, let alone in their food. They couldn't have it anywhere in their home. That for that week, they were not allowed to have any type of leaven. They had to completely clean their house out and make sure there was no leaven in their house. So when we think of this bread that Jesus is using, we understand that this is unleavened bread. And there's a reason why. Again, God just doesn't do things by chance. There's a a purpose behind it. There's a reason why that he's using unleavened bread because leaven is a picture of sin. And Jesus wanted to make sure that the picture that is being presented of his body is a sinless body. And so this bread that is being used is unleavened bread. There's no yeast in it. There's no leaven in it because it's a picture of Jesus Christ's body which was sinless. That's why we just don't go buy a, a loaf of any any type of loaf of bread. No, it has to be unleavened bread. And the same thing, when you think about what Jesus says, and Jesus as he speaks here at the end, he says, I will no more drink of the fruit of the vine. Now, unfortunately, many times people will use wine. They use wine in the Lord's Supper. Again, that is the wrong picture. We don't use wine. This, this juice that we're going to hand out in just a moment is just that. It is juice. It's just grape juice. Why? Because, again, there had to be no leaven in anything. There could not be leaven in the, the bread. There could not be yeast or leaven in the juice. And so it could not be wine. It was simply the fruit of the vine. It was simply grape juice. Why? Because, again, what is the picture? If this this juice is representing the blood of Jesus Christ, then do you want a picture of a Savior's blood as sinful or sinless? If we have a sinful picture of the blood of Jesus's Jesus's blood, we have a big problem. Because if we're saying that Jesus's blood was sinful, then there's no way that you and I can be saved. He had to be the sinless blood, the perfect blood, the perfect body, the sinless body and blood of Jesus Christ. say, well, it's it's not that big of a deal. It was to Jesus. You think Jesus just decided any time he wanted to that this was going to be when he was going to institute the Lord's Supper? He could have done it any time he wanted to, and yet he chose to do it during the Passover feast during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Why? Because of the picture that it shows. The sinless body and blood of Jesus Christ during this Feast of Unleavened Bread. And that's why when we come to Matthew chapter 26, in verse number, uh, in verse number 26 and 28, or 228, Matthew chapter 26, and it says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Again, if if we're going to have a Savior that is able to forgive our sins, then His blood and His body must be perfect for us to be able to have our sins forgiven. So as we come to, as we come to get ready to partake of the Lord's Supper, if you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 with me, there, there's a couple things that we need to understand. Number one, there are requirements of who can take it. It is only for those who have been saved biblically and those who are scripturally baptized those are the two requirements those that are part of the church again we understand baptism does not place us into the church we had many that were baptized this morning um, but it was the church that just a few moments ago welcomed matt and Nikki as members of the church and so we ask that those that are members of our church would be the ones to partake it now, please, if you're here tonight and you're not a member, we're not saying that somehow you are less of a person than anybody else. That is not what we're saying at all. Not by any means. You say, but I'm saved and, I, and I've been baptized. I'm just not a member of the church. We understand that. But we also have to understand this is a local church ordinance. This is something that is given to the local church. Just like no, just when we talk about baptism, just anybody doesn't have the right to baptize. Just because you 're a christian doesn 't mean you can just baptize anybody you want it 's the local church that has been given the ordinance of baptism, and in the same way you just can't you just can 't anybody take the lord 's Supper anytime and anywhere you want um, i don 't mean this in a in a negative way um, and i 'm not trying to um, make someone look bad, but um, we had a a, a, a a couple one time that were here during the Lord's Supper, and, and I mentioned that this is just for members, and, um, and he, he told me, he sent me a text later that night, and he said I, I was very disturbed by that, and so my wife and I went home, and we took the Lord's Supper by ourselves. Now, think about that. We just, we're just going to do it whenever we want. Can I tell you, that's not biblical. It's not biblical at all. Right. It's not just any time that we want. We can't just, well, anytime we want to take the Lord's Supper, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. No, 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 it's given to the local church. The local church is the one that does that. And we gather together as a body of believers. Again, as part of this church, we gather together to remember what Jesus Christ did for the church. And this is what he says, when we gather together, as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. There's, there's nowhere in scripture that says how many times you have to take the Lord's supper, right? It doesn't say you have to take it every week. It doesn't say you have to take it every month. It doesn't even say you have to take it every year. It just says as oft as ye do it, right? Well, who decides when a church does it? The church does. The church decides how often it is done, right? Um, And every church is going to be different. Some churches might do it uh, more frequently. Some churches may just do it once a year. Whatever. It's not about how many times. That's not what he's saying. You have to do it a certain number of times. He just says, when you do, remember what the purpose is. You're remembering Jesus Christ. You're showing the Lord's death. You're remembering what he did for us on the cross. And so when we say that we ask that only those that are members... Um, partake of the Lord's Supper, we're not trying to say that anybody somehow is less of a person. I know some of you are working on becoming members of the church, and thank God for that. And so if you're, if you're here tonight and you're not a member, we're not trying to exclude you and say you need to leave or anything like that. No, that's why we incorporate the singing into it, because, hey, if you're saved, then, hey, you ought to remember what Jesus Christ did for you as well. Because if you're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, uh, man, I'm telling you, that's an important thing. But he says in verse number 28, before we take the Lord's Supper, and he gives some warning here in verse 27, he says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Again, in the church of Corinth, unfortunately, there were some that were taking it unworthily. They were doing it wrong. They were making a big party out of it. You can go back and read the context here. It was was a big party. Uh, People were getting drunk during this time and things, it was, it was not being done well. Um, it wasn't really um, being done the way that was honoring to the Lord. And in fact, he says in verse number 29, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. He says before we take the Lord's Supper, we need to examine our heart and our life and make sure that we are prepared to take it. And that's why we let people know, hey, we're going to be doing this. You shouldn't just wait till Tonight to prepare yourself, man, this is something we ought to be thinking about. But before we take the Lord's supper, we always want to give a time where we can examine our heart. Lord, is there anything in my heart that isn't pleasing to you? Lord, is there anything here that I'm that I'm holding in that I need to get right? Is there anything I need to to repent of and ask forgiveness, God? Because Here's the thing, we don't want to come to the Lord's table flippantly. We don't want to just take the bread and the juice and be like, well, hey, I know I'm living in sin, and I'm just going to keep on living in sin, and so I'm just going to take it anyway. That's taking it unworthily because we're saying, Jesus, what you did for us is not important. It's not important that what you suffered, it's not important what you did, and so I'm just going to keep living the way I want to live no matter what you say, Lord. Now, wait a minute, is he really our Lord then? Is he really our Lord if we're not willing to be right with him? And please understand, I'm not saying that we get right just to be able to partake of the Lord's Supper. It's not what I'm saying at all. Uh, We ought to want to not only get right, but we ought to want to stay right. Again, it's not just on this night where we think about what Jesus did. Man, tomorrow you ought to think about what Jesus did for you. And on Tuesday you ought to remember what Jesus did. And Wednesday you ought to remember what Jesus did. But as a church, we're coming together just thinking and praising Him for what He's done for us. And so what we're going to do before we begin to, um, to give out the, the bread and the juice here in just a moment, what I want us to do is we're just going to take a, a, a moment um, and just pray and say, Lord, is there anything in my heart that I need to get right with you? Lord, there, for, what, for what you did for me, I should be willing to do anything for you. There shouldn't be anything in my heart that I shouldn't be willing to give up and say, Lord, if you want... If there's something there that I need to repent of, Lord, hey, I need to get that right with you. And so we're just going to take a moment. I'm going to ask Brianna if maybe she'll come to the piano and just play softly a song. And again, we're just going to take a, a moment just to examine ourselves and make sure tonight that we are, we're prepared for this, um, thinking about what Jesus Christ, and you say, I'm ready. Then just, then just think about what he's done for you and just praise him for it for a few moments. All right, let's pray together you mm-hmm. this time I'm going to ask our ushers if they'll come and, um, we're going to, uh, have them distribute the the elements tonight. Guys, if you want to go ahead and grab a tray there. And again, um, if especially parents, um, if your children don't really understand uh, what this is about, if they haven't been saved or baptized, then um, I would encourage you not to let them take this um, because it's not, it's not really for them right now. Um, but I'm going to ask Brianna to go ahead and play. It's a, it's a cup that actually has both the juice and uh, the bread in it, and so our ushers will distribute it, and uh, both of them will be there. So, Brianna, if you want to go ahead and play. Before we take this again, I want to, again, just really think about what the Lord has done for us. Of course, the first thing that he did was he took the bread and he broke it and gave to the disciples. Before we take it, um, I want to sing the song, Hallelujah, What a Savior. And again, just thinking about the words and what that means as we think about in just a moment taking that bread uh, representing the body that was broken for us. for that. The Bible says he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave the disciples and said, "Take, he, hey eat. this is my body. I'd like to ask Brian Stinson if he'd mind standing and just asking a blessing and thanking the Lord for what he did and uh, allowing his body to be broken uh, for us. The Bible says he gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And so as we take the bread tonight, um, just as a picture of the body of Jesus Christ that was broken and shed for and being broken for us on the cross, we take that tonight. The Bible says in verse 27, he took the cup. And gave thanks, and gave to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Without Jesus Christ willing to go to the cross, his body being broken, and his blood being shed, none of us, none of us could have the remission of sins. None of us could be saved without his blood. Before we take it tonight, I'm going to have Shane come. We're going to sing a song, At the Cross, At the Cross. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask Brother Andy Cood, would you mind standing and just thanking the Lord for the blood that he was willing to shed for us on the cross? It says, He took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is the blood, uh, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for the many for the remission of sins. And so as we take the, the juice tonight, just remembering the blood that Jesus Christ shed so that we could have our sins forgiven. Amen. The Bible says that when they were finished, that when they had sung in hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. And uh, to uh, conclude our service tonight, I want us to go back and sing the very first song that we sung, Tell Me the Story of Jesus. And uh, we'll just sing maybe the first verse and the last verse as we conclude in our service tonight. Brother Shane, why don't you come lead us in that? We can stand together. To the back. And as you're leaving tonight, welcome them uh, to our church. I'm so glad uh, they're part of our church. And of course, don't forget uh, several things coming up this week. And we'll be right back Wednesday evening uh, for our Bible study as we're going through the book of Micah, all right? Let's go ahead and pray this evening as